So this is the new year, 2018. What do I expect to see in 2018? Well, for certain, 2017 was a doozy. But I don't see much room for improvement unless a few things come together. So today's podcast is on looking forward into 2018. Today, we will talk about, did self-care help in 2017? What am I expecting to see or experience in 2018? And lastly, how can we best prepare as inclusive activists in 2018? Welcome back to the podcast. This podcast is going to be a bit of a departure, as the things are just my thoughts and opinions on what may happen in this coming year. We will look at 2018 through the lens of an inclusive activist. So as far as the podcast goes, I just recorded and posted the latest podcast on reappraisal with Michelle, which seemed to be very well appreciated and received, which I'm happy to see. And uh, I've talked to Michelle and she is interested in doing a little bit more of that stuff in the future with us at the Inclusive Activism Podcast. So the good news is you're going to be able to hear from more voices other than myself in the very near future. And in addition to that, I recorded a podcast with the producer, Sarah, which should be posted, I think, after this one. So we can look forward to that in the very near future. So as far as what I did in 2017, the idea was to get uh, some of the themes and ideas that came together in 2017 and then look at the last year and then also look ahead at the curve in the road about what I all will need to do for self-care in 2018. At this time, I'm not going to abandon self-care at all. I'm going to look at themes which might crystallize in this podcast, which might give us a sense of what we can keep an eye out for in 2018. Remember, if you agree, disagree, or you have any other thoughts and opinions, I love hearing from you. So you can email me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. That's I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-E-A-C-T-I-V-I-S-M at cox.net. Or... You can always leave me a voicemail at 860-576-9393. Again, that number is 860-576-9393. And I would love to hear your thoughts. I like to hear and share what has been shared with me. And I have a voicemail today, so I'm really excited. Uh, I think over the course of the podcast, there was maybe six voicemails. So uh, the fact that I've got one in 2018 is really kind of pumping me up. I'm very excited. So we'll be listening to that at the end of the podcast, and we'll have a dynamic conversation around that conversation as well. Also, remember to please rate and review us on iTunes, on Stitcher. Uh, Please share the podcast on your social media, on Twitter, on whatever the heck you use. Talk to folks and let let them know what you're getting out of this. Let them know why they need to listen to this themselves. All these things go a long, long way to make a significant difference for us here at the Inclusive Activism Podcast. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, Player FM, Pocket Casts, Google Play, whatever else you use as a pod server of choice. And these are wonderful ways for me to show proof of work to my potential sponsors and also 
would go a long, long way in getting my producer, Sarah, paid for her work someday in the near future, too. So checking in on my activism, again, I haven't really been able to get out and do much specifically, although I am starting to make some plans with some of the folks that I work with and do things with. Uh, one of my student leaders, Bailey Robinson, is going to be working one of the, with one of the folks from Anytown, and they're going to do a workshop on February 28th called Real Asianships. I thought that was cool. Real Asianships. always get super pumped when students start doing and putting on these things, but they're going to talk about some of the functional and really dysfunctional parts of relationships and try to have some real deal conversations with folks that are just willing to get up and coming together to try to make sure relationships are better for us all. I'm checking in on my classes on spring and started my first class for spring. That was really excited. And I'm continuing to learn how to promote the podcast. I am still uh, a bit in my hole, although I think I will be emerging at the end of this next weekend. Uh, and I will share about why I might have been in a hole for the last little bit as far as 2018 is concerned specifically. Now, as far as self-care, that's been really good except for meditation. Uh, lifted four times a week, which I'm really proud of. That was very helpful. Also hit cardio, I think, four times last week. Flag football has started, and that has been wonderful. And then I have been getting up with my partner early Mondays, early Wednesdays, and early Fridays to do some cardio with her. Apparently, I had some super bad breath when I was doing cardio the other day because the person that was doing cardio next to me couldn't, like, breathe and eventually left. So I bought one of those Bane mask oxygen restrictors because um, I was really... Um, self-conscious and I don't want to stink people out. So I'm going to be brushing my teeth even harder and gargling that Listerine a little bit harder because I don't want that to happen to the people that have to spend time around me. Now, the thing I did not do well was meditation specifically. <clears throat> the week before I meditated three times, at least for 15 to 20 minutes, although I did not get any meditation in at all last week. And that is because last week was welcome week. And in welcome week, I have to get up and be there at school quite a bit earlier than normal. And that extra half hour of time is my carved out meditation time. The other self-care that I'm engaging in is flag football, which is really good. I've gotten that going. We've won one and lost one. We're in a much higher division. So that's going to be a challenge to me too. And the other thing that I've added into self-care is I am reading. So the book I am reading right now is called Talent is Not Enough, which I'm enjoying so far. I am about 50 pages in into a 257-page book. So that's another little, that's one of the things I'm committing to in 2018 is to getting to bed a little bit early and reading a little bit before bedtime. It's something that I have not done in the recent past. The next little thing I'm going to do is talk about a recommendation for self-growth. So this is something that I'm doing to grow as a person, and it's something that made a big, big difference for me. It's a book I'm reading by Tara, Tara Brock. It's called Radical Self-Acceptance. This book is really about coming to terms with you. It is about how would you change your life if you really, truly were internally nonviolent with yourself. It talks about what would your life look like if you really accepted you just the way you are. According to Dr. Brock, the feeling of shame and unworthiness are the source of many problems that we experience with our relationships and our careers, our creative endeavors, and most fundamentally with our own spiritual unfolding. So Radical Self-Acceptance by Tara Brock. It's an audio book and I'm checking it out now. So I highly recommend that too. 
So on for the podcast to for today, looking forward into 2018. Now, first thing is, how did this work in 2017? So this is my take on 2017 and how self-care affected me. How, how am I different and what difference did it make? So one of the things I looked at very closely was my news intake. I decided to be very, very careful and critical with my news intake, and I think it helped. I listened to PBS NewsHour because I felt like it was fair and impartial. It's low budgetness, can't afford for sensationalism, and I thought it would be decidedly more fact-based. And I did look it up as one of those things that definitely like ride middle. They're not favoring left or right, and that made a big difference for me too. A little bit more than halfway through the year, NPR's Up First started, and it was a 7-13 to minute take on what happened in the news first thing. It's a great way to start the day, and it's a great way to center myself. I also listened to Our Daily Bread. It's a little daily devotional, and it's definitely Christian in nature, but I am Christian specifically. And it's one of those things that helps me get grounded in and see the world from God's view a little bit more and how I need that help and connection to really be the best me I possibly get to be for everyone else. Now, again, I wouldn't say this is the only way of doing things. It's just one of the ways of doing things. And it's something that's working for me. I've also been watching Vice News on HBO and it is good stuff. But honestly, I know it's a little bit more slanted into my worldview. What I'm really getting out of it, though, is it covers some global events in a way that I wouldn't see otherwise. So that's why it is of benefit to me. Now, with weightlifting, that was spectacular. The addition of a weightlifting partner means that I gained more strength and I pushed myself much better. The quality of the workouts went up by a ton. The effort in this area has been worth the time and worth the push. I did re-injure my shoulder, but that is making slow progress to its way back. And I just feel better about everything. Like I enjoy being there a little bit more. We found the time that and the schedule that works for us both. So that was great. I weightlifting partner i forgot how good that was that was amazing so i'm really pleased by that for cardio now that experience was up and down honestly i did do better than i ever had over the course of a full year but honestly i'm just barely getting back on track with that stuff flag football is by far my best cardio work and unexpectedly i had to teach night classes which also affected a bit in an unexpected way but for 2018, cardio is going to be that focus area that I look at specifically again, and it's something that I definitely want to get back on top of. Meditation. Now, this was transformational. Very, very transformative. But it's not something that I can really tell you honestly that I'm feeling a lot of difference with. But the reported difference, these are the things that people around me who love me tell me that I'm doing and feeling different with. So I'm hearing that I've cultivated a greater sense of calm and a better sense of space between stimulus and response. So I don't react so fast. I'm not so reactionary. I don't get pissed as fast. I'm calmer. My general disposition is more calm and much more laid back. I don't get set off so easily. I understand that I'm handling stress better, that I'm more resilient in the face of trouble and stress, and I am quicker to laugh, which is really cool to hear. I am more loving, I am more kind, and I am sweeter to those around me. And I used to be really prone to anger. And I would, uh, honestly, I'd 
fits of rage would happen and I'd yell a lot. I would scare my dogs by yelling all the time. And now I can't remember the last time I yelled and scared the dogs. So meditation made a huge difference. And I'm really hoping I can con my partner into that because uh, some of those benefits I think she'd really enjoy too. Another thing that I did is listening to Buddhist teaching from Tara Brock, as well as a Buddhist boot camp is something that I've added in 2018 because I want to get closer to that thinking specifically. And as far as Christian podcasts, I've been listening to First Corinthian Baptist Church, as well as Sojourn Grace Collective podcasts. This listening to Buddhist podcast from Tara Brock is making me have a better sense of self-acceptance and is also improving my sense of personal self-worth. I am not so dualistic in my thinking as far as like good or bad. I'm seeing things in more shades of gray. And it is interesting how, to see how I will teach nonviolence differently after a year of Buddhist thinking under my belt. I find I am less controlling and tend to look for a better middle ground for all. So while 2017 honestly was a really trying year, it was an also an opportunity to get better. And it would appear that I did. And 2018, again, my goal is going to be reading more, getting to bed and laying down a little bit early for better sleep, and set up a sustainable plan for cardio with both me and with my partner. Now, second, looking into 2018. These are things that I think will happen. I don't have a lot of proof, but it's just a sense of what I'm seeing and feeling and how this stuff is going to come together, in my opinion. I don't expect wages really to rise too much. I think the tax plan is going to make sure that the stock market does incredibly well, but only if Bitcoin is not a bubble. If Bitcoin's a bubble, or if the impending bubble of subprime car loans pops, because that's a bubble as well, we'll go into a recession if that happens specifically. Or if we go to nuclear war with North Korea, that's going to throw us right into a recession immediately. But I don't think your average American is going to see any type of major wage growth for like the umpteenth million time in a row. I think uh, bonuses will happen. I'm seeing bon. It's funny. It's so weird, man. I'm seeing like people commit to giving bonuses, but I'm not seeing them commit to making sure that you can know you're going to walk home with more money, which is really sad. The next thing I'm seeing is Democrats are going to double down on being anti-Trump rather than doing the hard work to figure out who they are what they stand for, and why you should back them. They're going to read in too much to the Roy Moore, Doug Jones thing, and they're going to read it the wrong way. They're not going to see the true importance of exactly how critical and crucial the black vote is in getting the vote in Alabama. They're not going to court the minority vote enough. They're just going to take it as a given that the minority vote's going to show up for them, given that Trump has sucked for so much for us. They will sadly see this win as a reform against Trump rather than the opportunity to really embrace a strong need to look into the needs of all historically marginalized groups. All historically marginalized groups do include poor white folks. And they're going to look to see how to recourt the working class vote, but they're going to do it at the cost of other historically marginalized groups. That's just the feeling that I get and the sense that I'm seeing from the news. So tech will continue to lead in diversity and inclusion issues. They're gonna be the worst at diversity and inclusion as a group specifically. They really have a hard sense of groupthink 
And I think there are going to be still very many missteps in this industry in which the value is not put on trying to understand problems from many different perspectives. Rather, the value is on thinking the same and worrying about only the efficiency of finishing a project with a singular vision, not looking at a multi-myriad ways of approaching a problem and a multi-myriad ways of thinking about getting something done specifically. So rather than troubleshoot along the way at big problems, they're gonna think the same way rather than trying to see something that's truly visionary and innovative. There's still a hard group think mentality in that field specifically. There will be the scare of a recession in 2018. Things have been going too well for too long. Interest rates are still unbelievably inordinately low. And there are very few signs that the, and there are a few signs actually, that the housing market is a bit overvalued given on who is buying homes. Very few, if any, millennials are making it into the housing market, which means everyone who's buying homes is only looking to rent homes to millennials. This is a bubble too, folks. Unless millennials have the support they really need to take the reins over, they are going to be overburdened with higher education loans and are not going to be able to save up to enter the housing market. This is the place where that wage growth is going to be a bubble that hurts super rich people too. The fact that rich people are not trying to see wages grow for the poorer folks means that they're setting themselves up to not have people to support them to have and gain more money, which means that bubble is going to burst at some point in time because these new folks, the folks that we're really counting, millennials are the hope for taking over the reins once the baby boomers are done and they're getting really close to done. Right now, millennials are overburdened and really nobody's speaking to this group outside of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And honestly, Bernie Sanders needs to groom an heir apparent. He needs to pick someone that's a little bit younger and give him a shot in the arm and like push that guy forward rather than needing to be the guy in front. He is not the shot in the arm that's needed for young folks. Now, I love his ideas. I love what he stands for and I love what he does. But if this is going to really be a movement, he needs to pick and groom several successors and highlight them and show them to be the people that are going to lead his revolutionary movement forward. Now, for folks that work in higher education, the higher education sector is going to get more and more difficult, but they are going to be among the last to respond to that. 2018 represents a small population spike for people leaving high school and going into higher ed. So things are going to look great in the next year or two, which we, unfortunately, in higher education are going to interpret as a sign of things to come rather than just a nice year or two with understanding the need that we will still need to tighten the belt again for years to come because population density is very low and because we're not seeing a need to bring in any immigrants from anywhere else to help make up for the labor gap shortage. Bitcoin is going to start being taken seriously by large financial institutions. And when they start taking it seriously, they're gonna see it as a huge threat to them the way they do things and how they sit on top. Look for a coordinated effort, both policy-wise as well as through their influence with 
legislators to curb the possibility and promise of Bitcoin or cryptocurrency specifically. There will also be a major accident involving self-driving cars. Uh, now, you know I'm kind of a fan of self-driving cars, but I think something's going to happen and it's going to be a news story. And this is going to hinder the movement into the economy, but I don't think it's going to stop their eventual momentum. I feel like more and more companies are going to be sued by people feeling like diversity and inclusion in the workplace is a thing of the past due to its devaluation in the Trump's presidency as well as in the Trump's era specifically. I think this is going to happen throughout 2018 and it might not be addressed until 2019 or 2020 until companies really start to feel the effects systemically of not valuing differences in their employees and they will continue to overfocus on homogeneity in order to see short-term production bumps rather than trying to find a way to get people to work together well to produce at a high level. And lastly, we are going to become more and more divided, which leads me to my final prediction. Our dividedness is our biggest concern in the United States. Currently, there have been reports of Twitter accounts being run by foreign operatives whose main goal is to push us deeper into our divides. So if you're left-leaning like me, the largest threat is I will be pulled further into my point of view by those folks whose main goal is to keep us at each other's throat. And it is easier than ever to never consider another point of view and or to understand why people think that way. For example, I had heard one of the biggest disconnects between people who had been outraged and disgusted by the president's use of the term s-holes to describe countries like Haiti and other African countries, as well as his words, grab them by the pussy, don't understand how anybody can say these words and see these words as defensible, right? So people with my point of view are like, how can you say these people are from s-holes? How can you suggest that you grab people by the pee? right? This is the concern. But what I've come to understand is people who are defending the use of the language are focusing on the specific words. They're focusing on s-hole. They're just focusing on the word and not the context of what being said. They're seeing it as an offhand term meaning less than desirable. When they see the, you, the word pussy, they're seeing it as something that men will just talk about in the comfort of their own company. They're defending the words, but not the context in the sentence or the meaning contextually contained therein. See, they're defending the word, not the idea. We're having an argument because they're thinking we're just arguing about the word. We're trying to argue about the idea contained within the word specifically. So while many people on my side are stunned that anyone can defend the messages sent by the president, the people who are talking are essentially saying it's okay to use those words situationally. Like they're saying it's okay to use the word asshole or it's okay to use the word P in specific contexts and situations, which is not the point. But the problem is folks on my sides are not hearing defenders enough to say we understand the use of foul language from time to time. We don't understand 
what they might be trying to tell us. And instead, we argue about two very different things while never getting to the crux of either, either of our major issues. Those on the right don't mind saying certain things just in certain spaces to certain people. Those on the left can't believe a president thinks that entire countries of people are from assholes or that he thinks it's okay that it's all right to grab women by the vagina without their permission. See, my issue isn't with the specific words asshole or the use of the P word. Well, I do have issues with those words, but it's not my major concern. More so, in a larger sense, is we are unwilling to come to an understanding with people like us. So, I saw a great example of this, and this gives me a sense of hope. So, Sarah Silverman got into a Twitter argument. Well, didn't get into a Twitter argument. She got into the antithesis of a Twitter argument. I put a link in the show notes if you want to look at this and read about it specifically. So, somebody called Sarah Silverman the C word, the see you next Tuesday word. And rather than just responding or ignoring the person, she took some time to look at the person's thread and who they were and what they were experiencing. And through looking at that stuff, she saw that this guy was experiencing tons and tons of chronic back pain for years and years. And it was amazing because Sarah Silverman didn't just yell at or respond to the guy in a really negative or hateful way. Instead, she did something a little bit different. She responded and she says, I believe in you. I read your timeline and I see what you're doing. And your rage is thinly veiled pain. But you know that. You know this feeling. P.S. My back effing sucks too. See what happens when you choose to love. I see it in you. And in her response to that guy, they had a conversation. They talked. They connected as human beings again. They saw the opportunity of each other. And she even sent a uh, message out to people in the San Antonio area that were back and neck care specialists that were willing to help the person that had had several slipped discs and no insurance and can't get back to work because they're in severe pain. She used her network to make a difference for somebody that was trying to pull her down. It was amazing. It was amazing to see. And it sucked because I didn't see more traction with this. Because, man, I need to see that. Like, they became friends. And he called her a bad name first. Why was Sarah Silverman's response so powerful? Think about people that you truly respect. Think about people that you truly admire. Think about the people that you honestly love to be around. They may not be rich. They not may be they may not be highly accomplished. And they may not be household names. Yet you love to be around them. And you would love to be more like them. What sets them apart from everyone else? The difference is they give they give generously, they give selflessly, and they give without the expectation of return. They give because their happiness and their success comes at least in part from someone else's happiness. And it comes from someone else's success. 
And they do so even when being generous is hard. Silverman did not have to respond so kindly. Silverman did not have to respond so compassionately. But she did because she had the emotional intelligence to understand what was going on under the surface of a stranger's anger. Sometimes anger is in front for pain. And sometimes rudeness is a front for insecurity. But kindness, genuine kindness, is never a front for anything except for caring. And it's not a front, it's the truth. See, what the world needs from us is that. And it's the only thing I can tell you for sure. Is 2018 going to suck? Well, it's going to suck if we don't get better at this. And honestly, it hasn't started off great for me. We had to put my dog titties down. Um, she wasn't right in the head and she was hurting members of our family. And it was hard because it only happened situationally and it only happened every now and again. So not only did I get injured, but our dogs got injured and we couldn't keep them together for the short end of their lives together. It was hard because my partner had to stay with her parents' house with titties in her final days. And that hurt me and it hurt my family and I, me and my hurt boy and her and the hurt girl were together, but we were apart and it sucked. We had to make arrangements to put my little girl down and I've had her since 2010. I had to put down my happy, goofy little girl who saw me through a divorce, who lived with me in a four-bedroom house when I was all alone and through days and months where I thought I was going to get evicted. I lost her and I had to put her down here in my house. I had to take a dog that looked healthy, that I loved without limits, and take her out of this world over the rainbow bridge and I won't get to see her again until I die. That was the beginning of my year. That's why it's been hard to be an activist recently. But still, I refuse to cede 2018 as the worst year ever. My family is hurt and we are sad. And we are unbalanced because we were a four-legged stool and now we're only three-legged. But I am also seeing that we are at least calm now. And we are finally without anxiety. And though I am hurt, I am scarred physically, I am scarred spiritually and emotionally. And um, honestly, I am experiencing some post-traumatic stress, stress feelings whenever I hear dogs growl. I'm not ready to see the fact that we won't be a four-legged stool again someday with potentially two dogs in our home. And that is because starting next weekend, we're going to train the bad habits out of Tank. I'm going to socialize him around other dogs. And I feel in my heart and soul that there's going to be another dog that comes into our lives. But we got to sacrifice and give a little bit first. It's going to take work and it's going to take hope in who I know me and Tank and Michelle can be.
And see, it's that type of hope that you need for us and this divided nation. We got to see the humanity in each other. We got to hope that there's a person underneath all that rage-faced spittle yelling. That's fear. That's scaredness. That's hate. That's not love. Now, I'm not going to tell you, even with this hope, that 2018 is going to be a piece of cake without problems. But I can tell you for sure, without our effort, it's not going to get any better. And I need to be honest with you, I need to get back out there. I need to get involved. I need to get uncomfortable. I need to get engaged. Or the world, like my little family in this hurt space, will stay the same. And I choose to believe we are capable of so much more. But we got to do the hard thing. We got to... Like, stop crying. We got to remember the people that truly love us are there for us. We got to look past the fear. We got to see the humanity and the hope in each other. When I see how calm Tank is now, that he doesn't have to worry about being in fights all the time, I have hope that there will be another dog in our family again. And when I see how good he's doing here, even being an only dog, it gives me hope that I could be active again in the future. It gives me hope that I can make the world a better place again for others. But I have to believe it first before it can become a reality. So in review, the major points of this podcast were reviewing self-care and what kind of difference it made in 2018. The second thing we looked at is some looking forward in 2018 and some things that we can maybe expect or look out for as far as potential problems or pitfalls. And the last thing we talked about was the need to do something different in 2018 to find a way to bring us together. Diversity, inclusion, equity, it requires all people, everyone in it all at once. There's a huge cost to it. Dr. King talked about the beloved community and how that was everyone. And everyone truly had to love one another for the beloved community to work. But somebody's got to love first. Somebody's got to reach out first. Someone's got to try harder first. And in 2018, that's our goal as inclusive activists. So if this podcast made you think of something, if you have a question or a shocking critique, you can give me a call and let me know at 860-576-9393. Again, that voicemail line is 860-576-9393. And let's check out the voicemail. Your uh, podcast about being woke really touched me. I get caught up sometimes and how tough my life can be. I think in fairness to you, we all get caught up in how tough our life can appear to be. So don't overly beat yourself up over that idea. And I find when you talk to me that I'm not getting a tough life. I'm just not looking. Perhaps I'm blind. I think we're all blind sometimes. I think... You know, blindness is the willingness to not look. But thank you for the wake-up call. And thank you for the call. I really appreciate you calling in. You're the first call of 2018. And, you know, I think that's what we're all here to do as inclusive activists. 
So if you want to call me, you can do it at 860-576-9393 or get a hold of me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. And you can also learn about more about me and this organization at www.inclusiveactivism.com. I look forward to hearing from you in the very near future. And thanks for listening.